It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And before we get into Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, as we kick off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, Sam Gordon from the RJ comes up at 4.30, talk aces. We'll also talk some Canelo. Canelo has agreed to a fight, and DeMond's pretty fired up about that. We'll do all that coming up at 4.30. I did want to throw the question that I had out there without really knowing what to expect from the Raiders of 2023. What are you most fired up about or interested or intrigued, however you want to word it? What intrigues you? That sounds good. What intrigues you the most about this Raiders team? I said this rookie class is really where I want to focus. DeMond said the quarterback position. That's uh, what intrigues him. Cassie Soto said, you know, Tyree Wilson, the quarterback position. You know, we've had a few other, uh, you know, a few other questions. Hardcore Raider hit us up earlier and was talking about Josh Jacobs and him having a contract extension. That intrigues him. And we've had some others as well. So we'd like to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. But we talked about head coach Josh McDaniels being at the Michelob Ultra Arena last night, watching the Aces beat up on the New York Liberty. It was a hell of a game. Uh, excited about what's going to happen tomorrow at Michelob Ultra with the Connecticut Sun and the Aces. But I've been talking about it for a couple of days now. I want to get into some Coach McDaniels sound as he was on the 33rd with Rich Gannon, former Raider quarterback and MVP. Uh, just want to get into a couple little sound bites. And this also has to do with, you know, just the team building. But before you can build the team in 2023, you do have to do a little bit of reflecting on 2022. So here's head coach Josh McDaniels with Rich Gannon, just kind of reflecting on the Raiders in 2022, his first year with the Silver and Black. You know, you're right. I thought we, you know, there were there were really good stretches where we ran the ball very well. Obviously, Josh had a great year. I thought our offensive line improved as the season wore on. Um, you know, we, we, we turned the ball over too much. And, um, you know, anytime you lose the turnover margin as many times as we did during the course of the season, um, you know, it's just hard to overcome that, you know, too many times and, and end up winning, you know, more of those games than you lose. So, um, you know, protecting the football has obviously got to be paramount for us as we go into this season. Um, you know, it's something that we've preached from the moment we got here and we're going to need to continue to improve on it. Um, we weren't great in the red area. Uh, and again, another huge part of winning and losing in our game is scoring. You know, obviously, if you, if you don't have more points than the opponent, you're not going to win. So, you know, being able to improve in that area, being able to protect the football better offensively, and then try to try to be more consistent, you know, from week to week. There was games where we, you know, put up 450 plus yards and we're really executing at a high level. And then there's other games where we struggle. And so um, our overall ability to do those things obviously will be important for us in terms of our overall improvement. I feel like I might have wrote that for him. Right. I, I'm serious. I mean, that, I feel like that that's something that we emphasize all the time. And look, I mean, Raider Nation knows Raider Nation ain't no dummies. Right. They, they see the games turnovers. They turn the ball over way too much. Right. Not to bash on Derek Carr, but he threw too many interceptions. Right. Turn the ball over way too much in, in, in 2022 and didn't create turnovers. That's something that we I mean, when he started off talking about really turnovers, I'm like, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right. Because that's what we've been talking about. Emphasizing turnovers and then what's the other area of the team that we always are harping on the damn red zone yep right i mean we've been talking about it not just one year so let's not get it twisted this is not a josh mcdaniels thing when it comes to the red zone and the raiders that's been plenty of years they've struggled so to know that those are two areas that you know obviously stood out to him like a you know a sore thumb that the raiders need to improve on 
Just those two alone, without going into any other detail, Damon, I think at least that's the awareness is a positive. Yeah, like you said, the awareness where Josh McDaniels, he knew, he knows where this team was bad at last season. When yep. you mentioned the turnovers, no coach is going to find six interceptions acceptable for a season. But to me, where he can control when it comes to his play calling, you know, his side of the ball on the offense, the red zone, I think that that is going to be important because of all mm-hmm. the flack that people give Jimmy G for, he is statistically proven. Proven yeah. to be a better quarterback than Derek Carr in the red zone, the red zone where right. it counts the most. I know a lot of people saw the Warren Sharp thread that he put out about DC today. A lot of fans like saying, I'm glad we got rid of him. You know, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, yep. Devon. I don't mean to cut you off, no, but Warren Sharp was on the morning tailgate the other day. Mm-hmm. And I like following Warren Sharp football. I do. Let it let it be known. He was on, and I have to go back and I guess listen to that interview because from what I heard, and I didn't listen to the whole thing. I have no problem saying that. I didn't listen to the whole thing. From what I heard, he was basically saying how good D.C. was, and it was Josh McDaniels' fault the way that they used him. But then he puts out a thread today where he bashed the hell out of him about his struggles and why he stinks in the red zone. And that's not my words. That's his. Called him the worst red zone quarterback, you know, quarterback within the 10, you know, 10 yards to go. So for me, that, that's a good point. But, uh, you know, it's kind of having to want to have your cake and eat it too right. to say, hey, he's a top 15 quarterback. It was McDaniel's fault last year with his play calls. Right. But also, he's the worst quarterback in the red zone. So whose fault is it really? If yeah. I can get you to, you know, 10 yards, you only got 10 yards to go. If my play calling gets you there, right. I, I need you to finish. That's It's, like, it's that's your <laughs> That's like saying Q's really good on the radio except for when he's on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? He can open a segment. Great. Can't but close you, that thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, the first five minutes of a show, nobody like him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just doesn't make any damn sense. So, okay. But, yeah. No. And so, anyway, that's, a, that's kind of a recap right there of 2022. And I, and I think that that's fair. All of that consistency, right? I mean, turnovers, both sides of the ball, turning the ball over and creating turnovers, like all that's got to improve in a major way. Obviously, the defense, the defense, the defense. So how the Raiders can how the Raiders defense can improve in 2023, what is it going to take according to head coach Josh McDaniels? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you talk about you know, the teams that are playing the best, you know, the best football on the defensive side, this, you know, in our league now, it's guys that can create long yarded situations, negative plays with the front, um, you know, and get their hands on the ball in the passing game or, or sack the quarterback. And so, you know, we knew, you know, we have a, we have a great player in Max Crosby. Uh, we have some other guys, you know, that did some things last year for us, but we wanted to try to add to our group in, uh, in ways where we felt like we could be more explosive, um, you know, create uh, negative situations uh, with the front and try to, create more turnovers and takeaway opportunities by getting our hands on the ball. And so that was really a, a focus for us as we went into the off season. Um, you know, we, we had a, a kind of a two, uh, uh, a two tiered philosophy in that regard, in terms of developing the guys that are here uh, that we want to, you know, try to improve and, and, and help them be better players and help them uh, do some of those things themselves. And then also try to, you know, see if we couldn't, you know, through free agency and or the draft, uh, acquire a few guys that, you know, could potentially uh, do some of those things as well. So, um, you know, we've, we've tried to do that. I thought we added a few pieces in free agency um, down the middle of our defense with Marcus Epps, Belaine, the linebacker from Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we added Faison, who was here before, uh, you know, and we're able to bring back Jerry Tillery, Adam Butler in free agency up front. Um, you know, so there's some guys there that hopefully can, 
can improve, uh, you know, those portions of our game. And then we were fortunate to have an opportunity in the draft uh, to get, you know, uh, to get a few guys that we feel like eventually will be able to help us in those areas. So as it's obvious, right, we talked about it. The Raiders are trying to build that defense from the inside out, right, which is there's nothing wrong with that, right? Get that pass rush. He said, you know, negative plays, you know, make, make, make teams have third and long. Right, hit the quarterback, pressure the quarterback, disrupt the the pass play, get your hands on the ball. Again, all things that we've talked about a lot in great details. Also, it stood out to me like a a, a huge red flag or whatever you want to say. He said, "We've got Max Crosby, right, a phenomenal player, Max Crosby, and we got other guys that did some good things for us. It's 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 Max Crosby and them, you know. So when we talk about Max Crosby and them on the on on the air." You know, it's not a disrespect. It's the it's the truth. Yeah, you say that. I remember earlier this week we had J.P. Acosta on from SB Nation, and Jared asked him the question, oh, does it make the rest of the defense look bad that Max Crosby has to go over and, you know, and make those plays where he's running across to, you know, stop a run play to stop it be from, you know, it could have been five yards, but it's only three because Max got there in time. And he said, man, maybe that should light a fire underneath all the Raiders players that Max right. Crosby is doing so much and he's everywhere on the field. And I think that that should, that should be what it is. But something else that we said there about the defense when we first started, talking about, hey, you look around the league and you see what the good teams are doing. Yep. Not so much that it's a copycat league, but when it comes to defense, you got to be able to do, like, how are these other teams, how are they so successful, even if they're not the most talented? We always talk about the Chiefs, where that offense is amazing. It's phenomenal, mm-hmm. but that defense—they—they they just seem how to—they know how to make plays. They're there when it counts. So I think that that's important. That he's also looking around the league and saying, "Hey, all the good teams—they're making stops. They're getting turnovers. We've got to be able to be one of those teams, even if we don't have the most talent on the defensive end." Well, I mean, the thing about it is they—they they went out and got Jimmy G. So if you just go and look at the at the team that Jimmy G came from, it's a perfect example of what you would love for your defense to be. And I know that's extreme because that's a damn good defense. But, man, I'll tell you, there's never really been a time when I was like, man, I wish the Raiders had what the Niners had. But when you look at that defense, I say, boy, I wish the Raiders had what the Niners had. I I love the way that they play defense. Somebody's always around the ball. Somebody's always coming up and making a hard hit. Someone's always making a short tackle. It's like there's always somebody in the right place at the right time. right? And now all of a sudden they got Hargrave. They got that one big splash on the defensive side of things to fill a void that they had. So that defense is still going to consistently be good. We'll continue on with some sounds from Josh McDaniels, 33rdteam.com, when he was on with uh, Rich Gannon. Uh, before we do that, though, let's go ahead and go out to uh, the Lone Star State, talk to our good friend Tim in Texas. Welcome to the show. Hello. How y'all guys doing? Uh, we're blessed, man. How are you? Okay. I just um, I wanted to, I just wanted to say I'm excited to see um, the defensive line and how the defensive line plays. I'm I'm really worried about uh, the linebacking. I just don't understand why come they haven't gotten the veterans back there. I heard your show this morning too about uh, about the um, uh, run. Oh yeah, Harman. and uh, I w- I hope they can re-sign him too because I'm really worried about this. I, I, that's the only thing I'm really worried about. But I think the defensive line will will uh, will help the, the secondary and the linebackers out. But I was going to touch on what you was talking about earlier. About because uh, I heard that guy on uh, the morning tailgate, but I, I haven't read his article or anything like that. And it just kills me how these people go um, back and forth. Like uh, all last year before foot before season started, you, you you hear that we got the worst quarterback in the division. We, the Raiders got the worst quarterback in the division. Then 
when they bench caught the last two games and, 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 and make it obvious that they're going to get rid of him, then it's how, how can they get rid of him? He, he's been there for so long that now they're not going to have a quarterback, blah, 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 but we got the worst quarterback in the division. Right. And it just, it just kills me because, like, even way back when, when Al Davis uh, fired Lane Kiffin, Everybody come on, ooh, the Raiders, they are dysfunctional. Here they go find another coach, and he needs to uh, give the guy a chance, blah, blah, blah. And then you find out that the, the guy is sitting up here trying to get another job uh, uh, undercover, and he got caught. And, 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 and then everybody, now everybody want to shut up and don't say anything. But they don't come back with no kind of apologies. They don't come back and say that they was wrong about anything. And it just, it just kills me how they flip-flop like that. I, hey, I agree. Tim, great call, my man. I appreciate you. And I, I'll say in in this industry, in, in our business, that I'm, I mean, I'm a proud to be part of our business, but there is a lot of times a lack of accountability, right? There's a lot of times. And, and this is, and I, I tell this story all the time, I was a, a big Stephen A. fan back in the day because, well, I just saw someone that looked like me and he was doing some really good things and I, I kind of liked his, you know, his little character or who he was. And this was really before first take. I really – and I still respect him. Don't get me wrong. I respect the hell out of him. I respect anyone in this industry because it's not easy. Uh, but it's just I, – I, I had one vision of who he was and I had an opportunity to interview him at the Super Bowl in Arizona when it was the, the Seahawks and the Patriots. And that was the whole Marshawn Lynch, I'm only here so I don't get fined, this, that, and the other. That was the big storyline all week long. Why ain't Marshawn Lynch talking? Oh, he's this, he's that. People talking bad about it. Oh, he can't do that. And I can't believe the NFL's letting him sit up there and do, you know, and all this, all this bad talk. And to me, I was like, if the dude don't want to talk, who cares? Because at this point, if he does talk, he ain't going to give you nothing anyway. So just move on to someone who will, right? I mean, I, I look, I've talked to people before. I've interviewed guys that just aren't good interviews, and they don't care about – like Jonathan Abram, for example. He didn't give a damn about talking to none of us at any media session, in the locker room. He gave us the terrible answers. You know, I said at some point, I was like, that's cool. I don't I – don't, we don't need to – I'm not trying to force the issue. It's fine. Not a big deal. I'll move on to someone else that will give us something. So anyway, long story short – I get an opportunity to interview Stephen A. Smith. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I tell my mom, who was there in Arizona as well, I was like, Mom, tomorrow I'm going to interview Stephen A. Smith. He told me to come back tomorrow, and he'll give me 10 minutes. So, boom, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I go back tomorrow. I ask him, and that's one of the first questions. You know, what are your thoughts on Marshawn Lynch saying that, you know, he, he's only there so he don't get fined. He's, he's not saying anything. And he goes on this big, long Stephen A. Smith-style rant about how he needs to be talking. He can't, you know, he can't be doing that. And, I work for ESPN, and if they want me to do something, I got to do it. And I got bosses. And, I mean, he went on this thing, and it sounded fantastic. Like, it was a hell of an answer. So, went back, played the interview on the radio station and everything. I was like, man, okay. And it kind of got me thinking. The very next day, he was on first take, and he said the exact opposite. Exact opposite. Why has he got to play? He's a running back, right? Why has he got to talk? He ain't, why has he got to talk for I mean, he don't want to talk. He don't got to talk. He, he should be able to just do what he wants to do, right? It's going to be someone in the media that's going to get him twisted up anyway. His words twisted up, so he shouldn't be talking. He, and I was like, wait, hold on. That's not what you just said yesterday. Like, you didn't even wait 24 cool hours before you changed your mind. So at that point, I, was, I realized, and I was still young in the game, and I'm still young in the game, but, I, you know, I'm learning stuff every day. But I realized there, there wasn't accountability you know, no one's going to go back and, and, and check someone and say, oh, wait, hold on, dude, you just said this, and, and really take credibility away from them. So for me, 
I always had no – I have no problem, and I've said it on this show many times. I have no problem saying something and believing fully in it. And if I'm wrong, I have no problem coming back and saying, hey, dude, I was totally wrong about that. Just like I thought Amik Robertson was going to get cut. I told Amik that. Hey, man, I, I wrote you off. My bad. But that's okay because it's okay to be wrong. But so many people are so in – they're so, like, hell-bent on having to be right all the time. Nobody's right all the time. Nobody. Right? I mean, there's decisions I make, and I'll go back and say, eh, that was a bad decision. Right? I mean, it's just it's just what it is. But a lot of times, guys will say something, and they'll go on some big, you know, rant and have this big stance on something, then, and all of a sudden turn around the next day or, or you know, a month later or whatever, and it's like the argument is completely different. And, you know, one guy who does that a lot, and I think he's a talented dude, is Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd does that a lot. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times he'll say something positive about the Raiders and then he'll go and say nothing but negative stuff about the Raiders for the longest. And now he's right now he's on his negative Raider rant, right? He's, it's, like, it's like, hey, what's, what time of the year is it? Oh, it's negative Raider time. All right, hey, this positive Raider time. And it's just, it, to me, it, it blows my mind that guys aren't held more accountable, right? And, and yeah. you see it and you hear it all the time. It just drives me crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, when, especially when it comes to those big national guys, yeah. where I think for them at that stage of the game it's more about – Filling that, filling that time, getting some content, no matter what it is. It's getting headlines. Yeah, it's, it's getting, getting the it's, headlines. It's, it's, it's the hot take, you mm-hmm. know. And, and that's what I, I say on the show all the time. Like, we don't do that. Yep. We, we say what we believe. I'm not saying it to cause an argument. You know, if you say one thing, I'm not going to be like, nope, that's not it, because I want to see you get mad or me get mad. And there's people that love to do that. And there's people that made millions doing it, right? The Skip Baylesses of the world. They, they've made millions on top of millions, and there's somebody that'll sign up to take that job and, and, and sit across from Skip and argue him and, and let him get away with whatever they want to get away with because they're going to make a, a lot of money. And that's fine, and I'm probably in this business for the wrong thing. I probably should try to make as much money as possible. I've just And I, I've told our boss, Natalie, that, which is dumb. I'm like, I just have never cared about money. Like, money has never really been my motivation. And then I told her, I was like, I probably shouldn't have told you yeah. that. You're my boss. That was, that was not a good idea. But that's I, – I mean, that's just me. It's not – I'm not in this business because money is, is pushing me. I'm in this business because I love it. I enjoy talking sports. I enjoy interacting with people. So I take what I say seriously to the point where I don't want you to come back and be like, oh, man, Q just – you know, he flip-flops all the time. Mm-hmm. Or he, I'm not going to be that guy. I, I refuse. The money don't matter. I can't take it with me no way. Yeah, today, even when, like for the show question day, I started with, I want the team to prove me wrong. Right. But I don't think that Jimmy G is that guy. So right. for me, if the Raiders go on, even if it's a, even if it's a 9-8 and eight season, I'll be like, hey, that was better than I could. Like, let's say if Jimmy G plays 16, 15 games, right. I'll be like, man, they proved me wrong. Good on them. You know, just to be, you know, a middle-of-the-road team, an average team, because I don't believe that he's going to be that good. And, it, and if he does go out, it was Adam Hill where he was like, I, we, I need to run out this next break if, if you know, the odds for yeah. him to throw for 4,000 passing yards. Right. That'll be something. Now nah, I don't believe he can do that. If he does throw for 4,000 passing yards, I won't be. I'll wait. I just, there was something in me that knew he could do it. I just didn't want to go out on a limb. Nah, I'll say it right now. I don't believe he's going to do that. Right, but when thing, it comes around, you know, the yeah. end of the season, I'm gonna be like, yeah, you know, I just, uh, you know, I've always believed that he had that arm, that passing ability, that talent to go for over four thousand yards. Nope. I mean, like, the offensive line proved all of us wrong last year. Yep, they proved everybody wrong. Everybody said that that was gonna be the weak link of the team. Guess what? They took it personal. They went Michael Jordan last dance on us. They took it personal. They they eventually got got good, and Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. 
right? The, and, and the offensive line, different players from the offensive line have said, yeah, we took that personal. Jermaine Illuminor is not shy. Jermaine Illuminor will be like, yeah, we hear things. We hear everything. Brandon Parker, yeah, we hear it. We hear you, you guys saying that we suck. You know, I mean, some guys will try to act like they don't hear nothing, and that's fine. But there's others like Illuminor uh, or Parker, you know, even, uh, what was it, Lester Cotton before he, he got mm-hmm. released last year? He was like, yeah, we hear it. We hear the noise. We take it personal. For him, it didn't work out, but it worked out for, you know, a Jermaine Illuminor. It worked out for, well, not Brandon Parker. He missed the season. But still, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it. they hear it. They know what's going on, and they prove that, no, we are a really good offensive line, and we can be a really good offensive line. And then when they re-signed Jermaine Illuminor, what'd he do? He tweeted out, me and Colton Miller are going to be the best bookend offensive linemen in the league. Okay. Well, go out and prove it. Yeah. You know, go out and prove it. I, I, I like where they went last year. Again, they proved me wrong. They proved a lot of people wrong. Now they've got to continue to improve because there's still areas that they can still grow as a as an offensive line. So there's a lot, man. There's there's a lot of mistakes that are made. You know, we're not perfect. I know damn well I'm not perfect. I've said some things before, and I was like, oh man, I was way off on that. But again, mm-hmm. it's about being accountable. It's about being accountable and coming back and saying that, yeah, you know what, I got that wrong. What my old co-host that I had in Central Texas, he would never say he was wrong. Oh man, he everything he said was gospel. Right, he was right about everything. And we had some knockdown, bang, drag out fights on the air. My mom used to text me, no joke. She used to text me and say, Calm down, son. Oh. Like that's how bad it got. I mean, it really got bad. I think she's only texted me that once since I've been here. <laughs> so that's it, right? But she used to have to I mean, that was like a text that was on repeat. Like, calm down, son. Calm down, son. Calm down, son. Calm down. So, like, she would, she would have to do that because I would get so mad because I would hear so much BS coming out of his mouth, I, and I would call him out on it. And he wouldn't like it. He took it personal. So stop saying BS then. But would he ever be right about any of this BS? No. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. You know, I mean, never right. and, 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 no, and what I mean by that, it, it's not like, you know, he would pick a side or something. He would just he – would, he would always make it sound like – like Baylor was the end all be all. Like they could do no wrong. You know, I mean, we're the Baylor flagship station, just like we're the Raiders flagship station. But that doesn't stop us from saying that the Raiders have areas that they need to improve. They've yep. got to do things better. Six and eleven was not a very good season. But if that had been us, it's in Central Texas, it'd have been like, yeah, but you know, this was the reason why. And I'm like, no, it's not. They they're not very good. Right? I mean, they're just not a very good team. They 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 they. This is not good. This is not good. This is not good. Yeah, but you know, uh, if they were an, uh, another name brand, you wouldn't say that. I was like, no, you're you're wrong. And so anyway, we'd have all kind. We had fights about everything. Uh, you know, he just didn't really like me, and I wasn't that yeah. fond of him either. But you know, it is what it is. You know, but it's, it's like you said, the accountability though. That's where people want to skirt from. Hey, I was wrong. Let's just just call them on that takes. And if no one's ever going to hold you accountable, who who's going? You know. It's no one wants to come on and say, hey, I was wrong about that. It takes sometimes for people to say, hey, no, you're wrong about that. We, we see that a lot where for all of Twitter's downfalls, I do like it where people just call you out, you know, accessible to just say, nah, man, you were wrong about that. Yeah, and yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I mean, people pull up the screenshot and be like, oh, is this you? But I mean, yeah, it's so, it's so easy to ignore and just like whatever, you know, it, it's it's so funny. But, uh, Tim, great call. You got us on a good rant. Thank you. (laughs) 
Tim, Tim's like, yep, I wound yeah. those guys up and got them going. There you go, Tim. Uh, we appreciate the call, as always. You can chime in just like Tim anytime at 702-365-9200 or the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R-N-R. And so, yeah, I, I, there's – there's uh, there's a lot of interesting moving parts on this Raiders team, and I'm very kind of intrigued to see it without knowing what I'm going to see, I guess if that's that's the right way to put it. So uh, hit us up and let us know what you think, what you're intrigued to see when it comes to this Raiders team. Coming up in a matter of minutes, we'll have Sam Gordon from the RJ. We'll switch our attention to the Aces. We'll ask him about the Raiders as well, what he's intrigued when training camp opens up. We'll start out with that. We'll talk some boxing. We'll do all things with Sam Gordon. We'll do it next on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 429 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Do the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Not asking about expectations, but what are you intrigued by, by the silver and black? They open up training camp, 26 is the first day of practice. What is it that you're most focused in on? Like, what are you most intrigued by, by this team Heading into 2023's training camp. Let us know about it again. 69187, keyword r We'll get back to your phones as well after we talk to our good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal on Twitter, at BySamGordon. He joins us now on the phone line. Sam, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. Before we get into some aces and some boxing talk, I did want to ask you, man, I mean, what what are you intrigued by when it comes to this Raiders team as they prepare for training camp, uh, uh, you know, a little less than a month from now? Uh, first and foremost, Q, happy Friday. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean, it's got to be what this defense is going to look like. I mean, how you know, it's it's. I mean, we we understand it's not it's not going to be a quick makeover process to develop a top tier defense. So pretty much starting at, at ground zero, save for having Max Crosby as as your kind of all pro cornerstone and your anchor. So obviously, a lot of resources in the draft. Um, Tyree Wilson jo- joining the fold uh, on the edge. Um, really curious to see what that looks like and, and how a foundation on that side of the ball can be built out. But obviously all kinds of storylines, what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs, Jimmy Garoppolo, his health, of course, you know, everything we've heard publicly points, points to all signs, all systems go uh, later this summer. But you never know. Uh, you never know with Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, a number of, of different things. I think this is obviously a, a team in flux. There's a lot of ways this thing can go. If there's injuries, uh, there, there there's, being that Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone, if there's injuries, it could completely change the trajectory of the season, and and maybe re you know maybe the Raiders think about things a little differently. If he stays healthy, uh, you have the p- personnel on offense, to, I think, to be rock solid, uh, regardless of what the defensive side of the ball is looking like and doing, and and then you can maybe establish the, you know more of a winning culture. But there's a lot of different things, a lot of different variables at, at play, and all things considered. Uh, this team isn't doing anything big picture unless they get that defense straightened out. Really curious to see what some of those, how some of those young guys look and, and what the plan is on that side of the ball. Yeah, how quickly can they come together? And there's obviously needs to be a big emphasis on the defense. The Raiders brought in a lot of players on the defensive side of things, but like you said, how quickly can they gel, come together, and make an impact? Again, we're talking with Sam Gordon from the RJ here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now, you were at the Aces game last night. It's so funny. I saw your tweet where it said, all right, it's game time or it's 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 showtime or whatever it was. But I could tell that the energy in Michelob Ultra Arena was there. It was real. There was a lot of stars. What was that like, being in that atmosphere for that game against the Liberty, and then seeing the way that the Aces just took it straight to them? Uh, first and foremost, Q, it was an incredible, incredible atmosphere, and that's kind of become the norm for, for Aces home games. I think LV Sports Biz had a story 
earlier this week on, on how attendance is up. Uh, I think nearly three thousand uh, for, wow. for average attendance. The Aces are around eighty, in between eight and nine thousand after being under six thousand last year. They're certainly uh, setting a high in season tickets, and it's really the byproduct of, of what they've been able to build these last five or six years, where you you have the best team in the WNBA. You, you build a championship contender, people are going to show up. But it's more than that. It's the way. It's a credit. It's a testament to the marketing team, the social media team, for kind of pulling back the curtain and create and showcasing who the players are uh, off the court at times and, and showcasing their personalities. Uh, it's a testament to, to the front office for for their aggressive approach in, in building a winner, a contending team, and also the in-game operations staff. I mean, Q, you 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 know what the atmosphere is like there. They understand. Yep. This is Vegas, and they lean all the way into it with their promotions and their their kind of entertainments, their promos on the on the on the big board uh, during the game. So it was a it was a raucous atmosphere from the beginning of the game. Fans were on their feet from the jump, and the Aces gave them uh, plenty to cheer about, uh, cheer, cheer for, and plenty to cheer about. Uh, you had a feeling the Aces were going to get up for this game, and, and they're so good. Uh, they've been so good this season that really they only need to put together you know one one or two good four to six minute stretches a game to create some separation and, and they, you know, they took New York's best punch in the first half and, you know, kind of made some mistakes. I, I think there's some breakdowns defensively, but it was clear they could get any shot they wanted. And then in the second half, when they, then they went on their run and bu- busted the game open, uh, it was really their defense. It was really an intensified defensive approach, both on the perimeter uh, and in help. And, and the crowd absolutely loved any second of it. So uh, it was a masterclass. It was an absolute yeah. masterclass. I think as good of a performance as you can put together, considering the level of competition and considering where the Aces are at in the season. And uh, at fourteen to one, this is a historically great team that I think we're seeing in real time. Got to maintain it. Got to sustain it. Stay healthy. A lot to be determined. But Q, I think I think Aces fans, WNBA fans, basketball fans at large uh, are seeing what I believe. I, you thought this team had this kind of potential based on the free agency. I think this is going to go down, provided. You know, provided they stay healthy again, as the as the greatest team uh, in WNBA history, and that's saying a lot considering yeah. some of the dynasties. But this team is as good as any that's ever been assembled. You know, you mentioned that the Aces took the Liberty's best punch, right? And I noticed early in the game that it was physical, and Kelsey got that early technical, and you could just see that you the players were frustrated with the officials, but they held their composure. They didn't get out of whack, and like you said, they they took the, the Liberty's best punch, and then they, they delivered them back in a clean type of way and a really good style basketball type of way. How impressed were you with the fact that they handled the physicality the way they did? I mean, super impressed. And, and I think just kind of the, the, the being able to kind of play through those things now and deal with high-pressure situations in big games like that, it's a credit to the continuity that they've built the last, the last few seasons, right? We know about the talent that the New York Liberty have, but Talent alone isn't isn't good enough. We see all over in team sports. Take a look at the, the last handful of teams that won the WNBA championship. The Aces had to go through their – had to get add some scar tissue. They had to have their heartbreaks in the bubble in 2020, losing in the finals, getting swept out of there. In 2021, falling, falling short to Phoenix and losing a heartbreaking game five after blowing a big lead in the semifinals. So – they they had to you know go through their battles and, and kind of get their scarring and learn how to come together as a team and you take a look you know how the core of this team what this team is built around I mean Asia Wilson uh, Jackie Young and, and and Kelsey Plum this is their fifth season together that's a long time they've been playing together since 2019 Chelsea Grace since 2021 this is her she obviously brought championship pedigree and is a, is a relatively seamless fit so the core of this team has so much chemistry. They've been through so many battles together. Then you add uh, the, the Kia Stokes coming off the bench, you know, her playing her role. 
uh, Alicia Clark, her ability to step in and, you know, seamless, seamless players in free agency that you can plug and play. Uh, Candace Parker, who at this stage of her career, having accomplished everything there is to accomplish in basketball, uh, down to play a role and just, just distribute offensively, score when she has the right matchup and be an awesome defender. Uh, so, it's really the continuity, I think, that, that sets this team apart and allows them to maintain their composure in big games. And, and New York, you can't just manufacture that off the jump. This is a team that New York, I mean, three of their starters came together this year, and it was already kind of a young team to begin with that didn't have a lot of a lot of playoff basketball together. So they'll figure it out. It, it'll take some time throughout the course of the season, but yeah. uh, the Aces are so far ahead. Even, even though, even from a talent standpoint, right, I think the Aces have a – the better roster with the talent, but the continuity at this juncture in the season, they're just so far ahead of the Liberty and that, that bared itself out uh, last night. And as you have that home crowd roaring, it's just so hard uh, to, to deal with what the Aces bring to the table. Sam Gordon is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And that's Roughness. Go ahead, Devon. Yeah, so we thought coming into the season that the Liberty were going to be their the most competition, you know, the most competitive team for the Aces. But, hey, the one loss is the Connecticut Sun, and they do play them tomorrow. What kind of matchup problems do the Sun give them, or was that just the, that was just a loss due to fatigue and having such a long road trip? Well, I think that's probably part of it, Devon, but let's not forget the Sun were, you know, Sun played the Aces in the finals last year. The Sun, even before that, granted, slightly different personnel. They had John Quell Jones, and you know, Brianna Jones obviously hurt, so she's not going to be around, uh, but she was available. They've always had the size and the physicality to just bang with the Aces, and, and that's what the Aces, I mean, now they're so multifaceted that you know they can certainly play the phys- physical overpowering brand of basketball, but that was really their bread and butter a couple years ago when Connecticut was playing them better than any team in the league. And still, you know, going back to kind of the previous point, Connecticut being that, yes, there's been some turnover, but for the most part, that's a roster that's played together now for quite some time that has scoring, that has the one of honor, you know, that, that, that knows, that has Alyssa Thomas, who is easily one of the best players in the WNBA with all the things that she does on, on both ends of the floor, and that, is, that knows the Aces personnel. So uh, they, they have size, they have skill, they have, they have shooting, they have uh, ball handling, they have playmaking, and they have the experience and continuity that, again, New York doesn't have. So yet – when you have continuity, I think generally in team sports, you can overcome, you know, a lack of talent at times. Not that there is a lack of talent by any means. They're certainly very talented. But the other way around, you can't just throw players together uh, and expect them to figure it out right away. We see that, you know, that's what we saw. Again, not that New York is New York is clearly a, a title contender, but I'm speaking in comparison to the Aces. That's where they're going to have an advantage against pretty much everybody, save for a Connecticut team that's been able to retain similar continuity. All right, Sam, it's some good times here in Las Vegas as James Evans has committed to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the UNLV running Rebels. What can you tell us about this prospect here? And is he going to be someone that's coming onto the team this coming season or next season? Yeah, in the class of 2024, so he's still a senior. Um, so he's a, he's a rising senior. But um, what I can tell you is he's a four-star prospect. He's 6'7". He can score the basketball. He can handle it. And, and he's a massive get for Kevin Kruger and his staff. And uh, this goes back, you know, to, to in a lot of ways, this kind of traces back uh, to the commitment that the, the Rebels got last month from, from D.J. Thomas, from D.Don Thomas Jr. Uh, D.Don Thomas Jr., goes, they, they go way back. I mean, these two guys played together uh, back all the way in the eighth grade. There's a lot of friendship there. There's a lot of history. And D.J. Thomas was instrumental in, in helping recruit James Evans to UNLV. So he played a part in it. You're already seeing how his commitment – uh, has paid dividends beyond what actually happened, what, what, he, what he's actually going to provide 
on the basketball court. It's it's been quite impressive to how uh, how, how the trajectory of the program has flipped uh, just in the last few months. When you get the commitments of the veteran players that are battle tested and have been in Power Five conferences, starting in Power Five conferences, and then when you get DJ Thomas to bring it all together. So it's a big time get. It's a big time get for UNLV. Uh, and, and somebody that certainly can is going to be looked to when he gets on campus to add some scoring on the wing, on the perimeter, uh, and at 6'7", defensive versatility as well. You know Kevin Kruger, um, it's, it's all about defense. Regardless of who they have offensively, uh, he, he wants to defend at a high level, and 6'7", wings are at a premium right now in all levels of basketball. So it's a huge get, and, and I'm hearing um, there's, there's more coming. There, mm-hmm. There's another – uh, a player that, that UNLV is expecting to land as part of their 2024 uh, class in the near or uh, relatively near future. Um, we'll, of course, wait wait for that announcement to come, but the, the UNLV is expecting to add uh, another commitment as, as well, I'm told. So a lot of enthusiasm around the program. And, again, the DJ Thomas effect, He, he guys are going to want to come here to play with him because of his unselfish uh, kind of team-first brand of basketball that he plays at the point guard position, and, and suddenly uh, UNLV is in favorable position uh, in the Mountain West, not only in the short term, uh, where, where I expect them, again, health permitting to compete uh, for a top three a top three standing, but, but moving forward uh, as well. There's real momentum behind the program, and again, this commitment, another example of that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's the best word. Some real momentum uh, built going around that program. So, Sam, let me flip over to the other program uh, with UNLV that, that we talk about all the time, and that's the football team. What are you hearing, you know, from Coach Odom and, and everybody about just, you know, how they're feeling about this upcoming fall and, and their expectations for this football team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's realist, you know, high expectations in terms of, you know, competing and trying to reach a bowl game and building on some of the successes that they had last year. This is a the team that won five games, right? That's nothing to write home about by any means, but all things considered, you know, the guys that played on that team that are coming back experienced a little bit of success, experienced some big wins, and, and now Barry Odom is in to kind of uh, take it to the next level. So he had a great um, a great sit-down interview with our uh, our own Andy Yamashita uh, last week in the Review Journal that ran, kind of covered some of his expectations. But from my end, uh, I think I, I think bowl I think bowl, bowl game is certainly a realistic uh, expectation and it starts with quarterback Doug Brumfield. You know, having him back uh, in the fold, you know, he, he's dealt with some injuries and whatnot. We we know that, but when he's healthy, uh, he's among the best quarterbacks in the Mountain West. That's the kind of potential that he has. And he was just down at the mat, the prestigious, prolific Manning Passing Academy. It's a, it's a nod to him and his ability uh, having the chance to work with Peyton and Eli Manning and be around some of the other top quarterbacks in the country. And then you're, you're adding a brand new a brand new offense that's conducive to his skill set with. You know, offensive coordinator Brendan Marion's uh, go-go offense. So how does Doug Brubfield fit in that? What is that offense going to look like? I think we saw a taste of it uh, in spring ball, and we're going to see even more, you know, wanting the uh, efficiency, pace, uh, optionality um, that, that, that he's going to get to play with. But this is a team that's been focused on adding speed, you know, on all levels um, since, since Barry Odom got here on getting more physical. And uh, they've done really, really well in recruiting among the, the top of the Mountain West um, recruiting rankings and building not just for this season again where there's going to be a foundation laid you know from based on the last couple of years but building moving forward uh, as well so certainly I think more enthusiasm more excitement uh, around the program than there has been in a while and, and higher expectations too and, and rightfully so 
Sam Gordon is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Necessary roughness. Now, you know, Sam, we couldn't let you get out of here without DeMond getting into a little bit of the fight game, a little boxing. So, DeMond, he's got his eyes wide open. He saw a tweet <laughs> from you earlier about a big-time fight. So, uh, go ahead, DeMond. Yes, Sam, yours. because we all knew that coming in that it was going to be, hey, is Canelo going to fight Jamal Charlo? Hey, you know, is that fight going to happen? But now we see the official fight is that he's going to be fighting his brother Jamel, the smaller of the Charlo twins. So what do you think about or make up of this matchup, Undisputed at 168, taking on Undisputed at 154? Well, first and foremost, um, tremendous, tremendous promotion. It's going to be an excellent promotion. Jamel Charlo, uh, Undisputed at 154, like you mentioned, uh, does a little bit of everything, can box, he can bang if he absolutely has to. Um, great footwork, great jab, very, very skillful. And at one time, um, overlapped with Canelo Alvarez in the 154-pound division. So even though Canelo's up at 168 pounds now, uh, it's not like there's going to be some ridiculous size advantage. Yes, Canelo is, is accustomed to that weight class, weight class, and it's going to be a big jump for Jamel Charlo, but Jamel has the taller frame and, and the longer frame. And I expect him to be able to fill out 168 pounds um, just fine. But you kind of touched on it. I think the thought, the, the overwhelming thought that was that Jamal Charlo uh, was going to be the opponent. But, but ESPN's Mike Coppinger reported at the 11th hour um, that Jamal Charlo uh, pulled out or notified you know, Canelo's team that he wasn't going to be available. And Jamal Charlo eagerly stepped in. And it's, what, what's what, it's not a surprise. He's fought all the top dogs at 154. He's a dogged competitor who's in great fights and make, makes great fights. And uh, I think it's a, probably a better matchup. He's been more active uh, than, his, than his twin brother, Jamal, and, uh, and, and brings just a little bit more to the table in terms of his overall skill set and then what he's accomplished being an undisputed champion. So not the fight that we thought we were going to see, but I think actually uh, a, a better matchup. And Canelo, um, it's a fight that you, expect him to, you, you certainly expect him to win. I haven't seen a betting line for it yet, but I'm sure he'll be installed. Um, as you know, as a favorite, I would imagine somewhere uh, in the two to three to one range, uh, given again where he's at right now, his experience in the weight class. But I think this is going to be an entertaining, entertaining promotion, and, and has the potential to shape up to be a really, really interesting fight. Uh, we've seen Canelo slow down a little bit; doesn't you know isn't moving quite as well. He's thirty, going to be thirty three. A lot of wear and tear on those tires, and, and Jermel Charlo can move around and and do different things with his feet and with his movement. So. Uh, it's a great matchup. It's a fantastic matchup. I'm expecting a great promotion and a great atmosphere, great atmosphere uh, September 30th uh, here in Las Vegas. Venue not yet determined, uh, but it will be here. Um, it's only right, and it's going to be a fantastic a fantastic event and promotion. All right, let's, let's just do the hypothetical matchmaking a little bit more. Do you think of Earl Spence beats Crawford that he fights the winner of Canelo versus Charlo? Uh, I would be surprised if Spence fought Jermel Charlo, given that they they share a, tra- a trainer yeah. in Derek James. Um, that being said, I, I certainly think um, that if Canelo wins, I, I mean, Errol Spence, uh, provided he takes care of business, we'll see what happens on July 29th in his 147-pound undisputed fight against Terrence Crawford. Uh, but he's definitely, I think, an opponent that's on the radar uh, of Canelo Alvarez if he handles business, and certainly with PBC as well. Canelo just, of course, signing a three-fight deal. Uh, with PBC after a long run with with uh, DeZone and Eddie Hearn, six of the seven six of his seven previous fights uh, with Matchroom, but uh, Spence is an intriguing option. Of course, you have David Benavidez. I think that's the best fight for Canelo Alvarez uh, right now, and, and uh, you know, hoping that 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 we get to see that next May, uh, maybe Cinco de Mayo at Allegiant Stadium. I think that that fight that fight of that magnitude could definitely do fifty or sixty thousand uh, at the stadium and really christen it uh, with boxing. You have David Morrell Jr. Uh, Demetrius Andre. So there's a lot of options, and maybe Jamal Charlo too. Maybe 
maybe Canelo Alvarez, you know, if he beats Jamel, uh, maybe Jamal still looms as an option. So PBC, uh, just a, just a, a deep, deep, deep roster right now uh, around those weight classes, and uh, this fight adds to a banner year that they've had. It's a, it's a, it's they, they've they've had Benavidez plant here at MGM Grand, of course. Uh, Tank and Ryan Garcia at T-Mobile Arena. They're doing Spence and, and Canelo Alvarez and Jermel Charlo, the first ever battle uh, between two active undisputed champions in the four-bout era. So it, like, it's, there's a lot of options there, and it's an intriguing fight with a lot of maps and routes for both fighters to go, depending on the outcome. He is a one-stop shop. That is Sam Gordon. He talks NFL. He's talking college hoops, college football. He's talking WNBA, Aces action. He's talking boxing. He's talking UFC, one-stop shop, at by Sam Gordon on Twitter, of course, from the RJ, the Las Vegas Review Journal, with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Sam, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, summer league's right around the corner, too, so I'm going to have yep. all kinds of stuff. Um, coming out of summer league and, and looking really looking forward to the atmosphere on Friday, provided we see Victor Wembanyama uh, play with the San Antonio Spurs. I have a, a strong feeling we're going to see him at least once, mm-hmm. uh, potentially twice. So I'll be out there pretty much throughout the duration of the event. And, and of course, we're looking forward to to building um, Spence Crawford. And to, to the, we're we're only a month away from that biggest fight in boxing. So uh, a lot of basketball uh, with the Aces as well with Aces stuff. A, a lot of uh, a lot of boxing and like you mentioned too at the top, we're right around the corner from training camp. So a lot going on in Vegas. Thrilling time to be here, and really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yeah, hey, great stuff as always, Sam, and I look forward to Summer League as well, man. Can't wait to be out there and check out all the action. So thanks so much, man. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy your holiday. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks, you. You too. No doubt. All right, brother. There you go. Sam Gordon from the RJ. Again, you can find him on Twitter at by Sam Gordon. And, yeah, Summer League next week, man. I'm excited about that. Still waiting to find out about our credentials, but that'll probably happen sooner rather than later as DeMond just put his head down and uh, sent a little prayer up there. But, yeah, I think all will be good. Can't wait until Summer League gets underway. 4.50 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. You know I'm going to let that DJ Quick ride a little bit. There ain't no way that DJ Quick tonight plays, and I'll let it ride just a little bit. Hey, hey, going out tonight, hey. The wife is on the exercise bike right now looking at me like I'm silly. Go get it, wife. I ain't lying. She's like right across. (laughs) She's right across. She's riding a ride bike. (laughs) <laughs> just when Wendy hit me up actually hit us up on uh, Twitter hey Q and Damon happy July Eve training camp in three weeks what am I most anxious to see defense 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 how do they play together who picks off Jimmy G can't wait for preseason how is practice Graham going to put these guys out there that's from just when Wendy and Damon defense 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 that's the focus from just when Wendy who knows her Raiders football there's no doubt about that and knows that the focus has to be defense 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 it's the biggest question I think even when she said who picks off Jimmy G because last season hey man Nate Hobbs is looking good he's holding his own against Devontae yeah Trayvon Merrick maybe not so much where those reports didn't didn't ring true but man it's going to be interesting to see because everybody wants to know how's this defense going to look Right, exactly. And one more quick text, and we'll wrap up the show and send everyone on their way to the weekend. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, 
Have a great 4th of July weekend. Be safe, gentlemen. Damon, no dollar stakes this weekend. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. No dollar stakes. You'll never live that down. Dollar stake. One dude. time. Dollar stake, dude, is what we're going to start calling you. There is no reason for that. Ever. But thank you, Sir Whiskey Ray. You have a, a great weekend. 805 Raider, Just Win Wendy. Everyone has been chiming in. Don'tBeBroke.com text line and the phone lines. We appreciate it. Appreciate all our guests from Cassie Soto to Jeff Kerr, Sam Gordon. Appreciate all you. Damon, fantastic job. Don't get in no trouble and don't get in no dollar stakes. <laughs> it's Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a good one. <laughs>